funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee. You're entering a different world here. Okay? Hello, actors. A different world. Not the world of theatre. It's the world of commerce. They hire actors, like me, to do these things. Here's two works by Shakespeare I had you reading, kind of archaic language, highfalutin language, considered a, a pillar of Western culture, something you should know. Some of you actually probably even like him. And we think of this as high art. And then we have this. You can spend six weeks working on a share show for Shakespeare and walk away with 32 euro, okay? And you can go in and get paid by a company to do this in 20 minutes and get paid 900 euro. In your mind as an actor or me, there is no difference between the two. If you feel like an Italian, why not go to Rome? What trash is Rome? What rubbish and what awful? You want to go further. What if we could enable your business to operate anywhere in the world? This is the excellent floppery of the world. The polished and the polite, the tasteful and the toasted. Stage school kids and sons and daughters of celebrities. We want to continue that success by developing a culture of constant assessment of customer value in all our business processes. You with me? And if you're good, you can hear what it is you're doing as you do it, and the script disappears, like in Shakespeare. The script disappears. There's nobody reading a script. It's an actual person. Every year, veteran voice actor and radio producer Roger Gregg takes a class of up-and-coming actors through the rudiments of acting for radio. Roger has spent the last three decades creating all manner of live radio theatre. No better man to guide these young students at the Gaiety School of Acting through the rigours of the oldest broadcast art. This is a hectic week-long course, culminating in a staged reading of an original drama before a live studio audience. With the students providing every sound effect and musical accompaniment, and of course acting in every role. This year almost none of the students have any experience with radio. This documentary follows three of these young hopefuls. This is their final course before graduating drama school. And in a sense, it offers a break from taxing physical performances and the memorization of lengthy Shakespearean texts. But whether they're prepared for it or not, this week will provide a unique series of challenges, creating a rich and vivid soundscape to accompany the performance and bringing to life the outsized characters and rapid-fire comedy of a classic screwball radio play on this, the listening stage. Hi, I'm Maureen Rabbit, class of 2017 at the Gaty School of Acting. I'm Dara Byrne, also in the 2017 graduating year. I'm Tara Kish, in the same boat as them. This class is taken by Roger and he's been the voice of so many things, mm. but you wouldn't even know because yeah. he's got so much variation in. and that's a, I think it's a really good asset to have. You can kind of just be anybody. It's great to do all the kind of wacky character voices as well. It's great to see some of the people in the class just come out with their shells and go absolutely like insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of our classes, you know, they take it kind of a lot more subtly, but here it's like the kind of bigger the choices you make, the crazier you are, the kind of more rewarding it is. My grandmother was a huge fan of radio plays and she used to listen to the Reardons every day. So I always remember sitting in her like kitchen 
and that before I'd ever been to a theater or even watch films or cinema you know radio plays were always kind of what I remember and I just loved like I loved listening to them because they'd always have like the knock on the door the ding dong or the patter of the feet and the so it was always really imaginative for me it really used to evoke a lot of images for me as a young child kind of have a special place in my heart we watched the second years last year do their radio play with Roger and for me it was probably the best show of the year to watch all the actors just seemed so free because they weren't focused on trying to impress us physically they that was just happening naturally and it was very funny to see people with their defenses down and doing absolutely crazy faces and crazy physical movements and running around the stage using the most mundane objects to make the most absurd noises are you all in today any year you give them 20 young actors two or three have an immense innate talent or have had and accumulated a whole bunch of experience in their youth of acting and drama and stuff, and it just comes naturally to them. The audio imagination, it's often linked with kind of a musicality or being musical or having a good sense of rhythm, which means they have a, a good ear so they can control the instrument. Everything is done intentionally, even when it's accident and even when it's improvised. So this class, there are some that have, have that very pronounced, and every, every year that is the case. Out of 20, there's maybe three or four that I, I think... Uh, have it or have a, a gift for it. At the opposite side, there's others that just, you're like, you should be juggling, <laughs> you know, work on your physical stunts because your strength is not in this area. And then there's kind of a middle group where you think, oh yeah, they're really good at this, but weak at that. And if they really work at it, what they're good at will get better. If fate is kind to them and they play their cards right, they can work around their shortcomings. As, as I have, I'm, I would categorize myself as such a person, you know, I'm not excellent at everything, but some things I'm very good at, so hide my deficiencies. The process of creating the show begins with an audition, where Roger gets the class to improvise, showing off their vocal range and library of characters. Who's next? Tom. I okay, we'll raise it up a little bit for you. Again, we're looking for wacky characters. Dear kitten, so you're the new cat in the house, eh? Oh, that's great. Well, let me give you some advice. One, I'm the original house cat, so I'm the boss. Two, the louder and more affectionate you are, the easier it is to get what you want. You can, you can go off the script a little bit, embellish it with the voice and, and clearing your throat and laughing and all that kind of stuff adds to it. It adds to it. Dear kitten, so you're the new house cat, eh? <laughs> well, let me give you some advice. One, I'm the original house cat, so I'm the boss. <laughs> Two, the louder and more affectionate you are, the easier it is to get what you want. <laughs> That's really good. It's really funny. It's like fully formed as a character there. It's like, well, that may not be right for the cat, but it's, we got to put that in the show. It's what they would think, you know what I mean? I grew up influenced by cartoons, but then I would go around talking like cartoons, even characters that I made up. And when I read stories out loud, I would do funny voices for the different characters. And I think here today, like you could see Owen doing funny voices and Gemma doing funny voices. Dara, really excellent, doing funny voices. And I think like they're like me. They just go around and on, on a day, they might do four or five different funny voices. And it's just part of who they are. You know, how they, their sense of humor. And so if you say, go ahead and be an ugly troll, talk like a troll, 
who's a thousand years old that lives under a bridge, they just kind of go there and they start talking like some wacky character as opposed to some other actors who just think about me and how do I look in front of the camera and I'm me and I play me, but I'm in a funny hat. So now I'm acting. Uh, I come from Scotland, but my accent ranges a wee bit. <laughs> Especially when I do stand-up comedy, <laughs> which you don't do <laughs> a lot. I get very nervous. <laughs> I tend to eat crackers with cheese. <laughs> uh, my name is Ragnar. Um, I am from Russia and understandably very strong because my father was Russian and my mother was a horse. My name is uh, Fintan, uh, Fintan O'Toole. Uh, I, I raised border collies out in the country, and if anybody needs any kittens down on the river, I'm the man to ask. On uh, Christmas Day, I went into my bro's room, and I was like, oh, get up, get up, uh, Santa's being nice, and Santa's not fucking real, and he pushed me down the stairs. <laughs> Today, I've spent mostly on the voiceover thing, and now we're just doing the funny voices, and it's coming up to the end of the day. The point of the course is to provide them with skills and experience in the audio world. Actors today do voiceovers for ads, they do narrations for, for documentaries, they do narrations for corporate pr presentations, animations, all kind of kooky voices. You know, the same actor can play 10 different, 12 different characters in, a, in one animation thing. So there's all those actors working in those areas, as well as radio drama, where you do a, a, a skit or a, a play, and you play a character or characters in the radio drama. At the end of this week, Friday, we have a radio play to do. So tomorrow will be a kind of script reading audition. I have 20 different parts. I have a tentative cast in my head of who will play what. <sighs> So, I, I will be honest with you, in terms of lines, yes, there are people with more lines and there are people with less lines. But I'm confident when I say that any one of these parts, if I was cast in, I would have a chance to shine. In terms of word count, yes, there's characters with more words and characters with less words, but everything is there substantively enough that, given an imaginative actor, they can make a big splash and be really, really funny. A good actor could make an impression, score points, leave the audience remembering them. Now, the other thing that I want to impress upon you is that in this radio production, everybody is on the stage the whole time. I want to get everybody to help make the sound effects and to help make the music for it. It's going to sound like a movie. Action music, storm music, fight music, sick, demented psychology music. With me, that's what we want to try to create by Friday night. So the people that aren't going to be talking are going to be busy performing, making the sound effects. I'll be um, blunt and honest. What usually happens is that people that are useful make themselves useful and volunteer themselves and push themselves to the front. So the next thing you know, you turn around and this person has got a part and they're doing all these different sound effects and they're doing all this music and they're great. And that's the way it happens in the natural world and those people often get work because they're really, really useful people. Everybody better have a hand in making the sound effects, put it that way. Okay. Monday we were asked to just come in after 50 minutes and improv like two character voices, which is like great and absolutely actors at this stage, you should be able to respond to that. But it was just very little window of opportunity to really highlight what you can do. And I 
just think we're in school to explore so maybe it doesn't come to naturally but that's why you're in school to find out what is blocking you or what's holding you back and how can you achieve that so it's not to say some people can't do and some people can I think every, you have to believe that everyone can given the right kind of nurturing or support and I mean that's what we're in school is to find out what we're capable of. I've amplified it with the whole subplot to create more parts to tell you how things work this whole thing, even if it was still this with 20 characters, would probably be done with five, maybe six actors. And they would be playing all the parts. That's the way the real world works because they're paying these people. So if they can get somebody to be really funny playing two different roles because they're good at voices, that's what they do. I guess it would be unusual in a college environment to have people playing lesser parts because the whole idea is that we're all in it together and like none of us auditioned for this thing. So this, this script was just given to us, so people have like massive roles. And then other people have like, I think we, all together we have about six lines and it's like, what, I don't, we don't really get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it can be annoying in that sense because we are in college and it kind of should be fair while we're still in here and while we're still in this safe space, I guess, we should be all having like an even part to play, an equal opportunity. So we're gonna have enough of this when we go out and do it properly for real and we start trying to make it as actors. So I think this is kind of our last chance to all do stuff like together and all play an equal role. When you don't get to play an equal role, it can get really annoying. It can get a bit boring and a bit mind numbing because you're just sort of sitting there and you're like- To make the background noise. Yeah, you're making the background noise and like if I left, would he even yeah. notice that I left the room? That's kind of, that's how you feel sometimes, but you just have to get along with it really, don't you? Because yeah. that's, I suppose that's what it's gonna be like when we're out in the real world. So we've heard from Roger, Maureen and Tara about the contentious casting process, but what will they actually be performing? Well, the play is an original piece by Roger entitled, Who's Afraid of Rotvang Krell? And it's sort of difficult to describe. You can think of it as a screwball 1930s style radio drama, which is also a parody of the Academy Award-winning films Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. The narrators are, you know, action, excitement, adventure, oh, super, oh, no, and they're, they're kind of doing this one-upmanship. Remember, will Batman survive? Stay tuned next week, same bat time, same bat channel, you know? Confused? Well, we follow a group of hapless space adventurers who stumble across a laboratory during a solar storm. Inside, they find a mad professor and his nagging wife who argue over their imaginary son. Meanwhile, across the universe, a group of sanitation workers who have deserted the ship arrive at the home of two aged sisters, one of whom is confined to a mobile cyber chair. The other, Baby Chain, has a series of very, very dangerous robot dolls. The three robots, I picture them as like triplets, like sisters. They're copies, but they're not exact copies of Chain. And one of them is damaged, you know what I mean? It's, it's flexy, isn't it? That's yeah. got the kind of little chip going on. So when they all speak in unison, they try to speak in unison, except for flexy, who's a bit out. And then if we can get these kind of funny, weird noises. It's day two, and having had their parts cast, the students are about so, to begin their first uh, rehearsal. The narrators are, you know, action, excitement, adventure, oh, super, oh, no, and they're, they're kind of doing this one-upmanship, and they have this kind of little two-hander, little drama going on between them. So right away, with the action music and the intensity, 
and the drive and the dynamism of the narrators, mm -hmm. it tells the audience, this is the world we're in. You know, it's similar to like, uh, you remember the old Batmans in the 1960s? Yeah. Remember, will Batman survive? Stay tuned next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Okay, so we're we ready, are we ready? Here we go, here we go. The Gaiety School of Acting presents the astro-comic adventures of the starship, starship Amadon as it comes face to face with deadly danger and who's afraid of what Van Krell. That's right, so let's join our heroes, Captain Sane, First Officer Hoax Minstrel, Counselor Disco Trojan and Robot Rom Rom Droid. And don't forget many other new, even more exciting characters. I'm not forgetting them. They're more exciting. Yes, they are all more exciting. <laughs> but you didn't mention them. True, but they are not on the, on the ship right now. <laughs> but some of them are. Okay, but they are not on the bridge of the ship where our story starts. That's right, on the bridge of the ship as they make their way through a deadly space storm. A storm on the rim of a supermassive black hole. Storm, 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 crash, crash, storm. For most of the students, this is the first time they've seen the script. I thought it might be interesting, if completely unfair, to compare their first run through with the final recording of the original production of the show, which aired in 2002 on the Irish radio channel RTE Radio 1. God, oh this is so scary, I've never seen a space storm as bad as this. Oh, oh my, oh this is so scary, I've never seen a space storm as bad as this. Whoa, look over there. What is that? The eye of the hurricane? Nope, it's the black hole. Is that a bad thing? Very. Nothing can survive falling into a black hole. <coughs> hey, what are all those? It's the cosmic particles revolving around the event horizon. It's like a giant whirlpool <coughs> around the drain of the universe. Precisely, Mr. Disco. And we're heading right into it. Shields up, brace for Look impact. Out. Nothing can survive falling into a black hole. It's like a giant whirlpool around the drain of the universe. Precisely, Mr. Disco. And we're heading right into it. Shields up. Brace for impact. We're heading right into it. Shields up, brace for Look impact. Crash, 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 marbles and crashing stuff. The cosmic debris is bombarding us like a hailstorm. Where is it now? What is it now? We're going to get a few. Oh, great. That's all we need. Well, I think after the script reading that some of the actors have a good grasp of what they're doing and some of the other actors are experimenting as they went through this reading and others... Um, well, I'm just concerned that they don't get the, to get the different levels that it moves on and they're missing a lot of stuff, they don't see it and I don't know whether that's because they just don't see it or whether it's something that will come in the rehearsal process. So it made me concerned whether they, they, they were cast in the right part or maybe they didn't really look at the script that much beforehand and so it was all being revealed to them as they were doing it. Honestly, I just think it's a personality thing. Like the people who probably aren't getting into it as much would be the people in real life who you wouldn't see jumping around on the couches and throwing stuff at each other. And it really suits people who just like messing and having the crack. So it's actually been really fun to be able to bring that into the classroom a bit more. I wasn't expecting it to reward just being completely idiotic and over the top, whereas usually kind of make it a bit more truthful because the audience can read straight away if you're just taking the piss. This does require a lot of focus, but it, it does reward being a bit more zany. It's afternoon on the second day, and the students are about to encounter the most novel and fun aspect of this unique course. Physical sound effects. There are very few live radio dramas still performed today and those that do exist generally rely on pre-recorded digital effects. 
Roger Gregg's productions specialise in using real instruments and bizarre devices created especially for the world of radio drama. everybody to help make the sound effects and to help make the music. I'm going to demonstrate some of the sound effects. This is a little moo cow. Let's hear that again. <laughs> this is a child's toy. It's like a whirr thing. This is the old slide whistle, swanee whistle, slide whistle. This is a train whistle. A spring drum or thunder drum. This is a wah tube. But it has a little hole on the side, and by covering the hole and releasing it, you can go like this. Oh, yeah, this is a siren whistle. Just some of the few sound effects featured in the show. Just to give you an idea of the setup on stage, all of this is taking place in the Black Box Theatre downstairs in the Gaiety School of Acting. If you're sitting in the audience, you'll see one student, Ben, manning a keyboard on the left-hand side of the stage. At the back, another, Aideen, plays cello. She runs back and forth to the microphones located at the centre of the stage because she's also one of the stars of the show. These four microphones are arranged by height and the actors shuffle between them as their parts come and go in this massive 20 character production. Meanwhile, on the right hand side of the stage, a group of students work to produce the sound effects. Stationed at a table, decked out like a mad scientist's laboratory, it's covered in tools, toys and exotic musical instruments. For most of the audience, this will be like nothing they've ever seen. It's a performance that's as much about observing the mechanics as it is about listening to the final product. This big box holds the spring bell, and inside it's a fishing reel. So when he Let's out the thing in the storm. Yeah. Got it? Got it. Okay. Then. Ratchet. Siren whistle. Whoa! Okay. This is called a crash box. It's a metal box full of stuff. musical instruments, especially if they're simple little gadgets and things, if you just say, I just want you to do this, just go ahead and do it, and they just go ahead and do it. If I said, now you're not trained, a real musician could do this with this thing and get it all in their heads, you know what I mean? So a lot of the time they just go ahead and do it, not realizing it's it's like a, an accomplishment. And then when the theme music starts, it's, you know, it's, it's 
And now, so don't come straight in with the music narrators. Let the music establish. Okay? Okay. Got it? With the students having met their instruments, it's time for the first attempt at a run-through, combining voice and sound effects. Okay, let's, let's give it a go. Five, four, three, two, one. The Gaiety School of Acting presents the astro-comic adventures of the starship Amadon. Gas! Established. We'll tighten that up. That's the general idea. So, what's your first line? Gas. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's actually <gasps> as opposed to saying gas. So, <laughs> so continue on. There's the supermassive black hole storm and storm. <gasps> ah! Oh, this is so scary! I've never seen a space storm as bad as this. Storm, it's a hurricane. Wrong, wrong. Status report. <laughs> it went well. It was a long, exhausting day. It was very intense. Um, they'd go out on breaks and see the sun shining and wish they were outside. I know I did. But we got through it well. We did a reading and um, the initial script reading, the tentative casting. A good starting point anyway. Some of the actors much, much further along and getting a handle on their characters and figuring out what the comedy and how to relay that is. There's still some people that need to come up to speed and others who are further ahead in a grasp of their characters. And then we started plowing through the script, actually putting the sounds to it, building all the sound effects and developing the music and uh, stuff like that. So today I'm hoping to continue the process of building the initial how to make the sound effects, the timing on the sound effects and the music and how they integrate with the scenes and just plowing ahead inch by inch through the script, line by line. Things should go all to plan much smoother and smoother and smoother until come Friday we're ready to run it and everything is kind of almost ideally second nature at that stage. Today's long. I don't know if you spoke to your the former second years. How hard and what a pressure cooker it was, their rehearsal process and the meltdowns and the angst and everything. The final product was great but the process was extremely arduous for them because um, they were not given many or, or breaks at, at all. It's Wednesday morning and already nerves are starting to fray. These are long days and the pressure is building as the students begin to realise that this show that they've only just begun to rehearse and understand must be performed come hell or high water before their friends and families in only two more days. So I'm happy to take more breaks today. That's what I need to do because I don't want to melt down like yesterday. But I want to come back and be positive and not, not get into even more of a foul humor because where is everybody we want to start? And then that sets my mind going to dark places. And believe me, there's already enough darkness going on up there. So let's set up and we'll continue on where we, where we left off. Thank you, thank you everyone. The Psycho Stabs of Horror, do you, can you play a tritone up high on the, on the cello? And you know this uh, Bernard Herrmann Psycho? Yeah, but can you add a second note that's a uh, flatted fifth to whatever your root is there? One. You're playing two strings at once. Yeah. 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 You know tritone? Okay, it's very discordant. The two notes are very discordant and they're high pitched. This can you go higher? Four. 
Yes. Yes. But can you go just just go just go down 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 down? Yes, the Lord. Do the sound again. Do it. Do it. Yeah. So when they see the dolls revealed, that's that's we're gonna try that sound. See see where it says psychotype stabs of horror. Death. Shut up, bird. Now go ahead and open them. So this. Yeah. Rip. And do as I am told. I'm Mama's little angel, and Papa says I'm good as gold. But when I'm very bad and answer back and sass, then I'm Mama's little devil, and Papa says I've got the brass. The 1962 film Whatever Happened to Baby Jane is one of the most strange and disturbing flicks ever produced by Hollywood. If you've never had the pleasure, the plot involves warring sisters locked from childhood in hideous and mutually destructive sibling rivalry. The ever more insane baby Jane Hudson cripples her more successful sister in a drunken rage. Then, as the pair grow old together, sings to a creepy doll sold as merchandise from her childhood career. The big musical number in Who's Afraid of Rot Van Krell? involves three over-affectionate robot dolls singing along with their demented mother. Watching this song come together as if by magic, we can see how Roger's directing approach works in practice. Roger had a kind of vague idea in his head and then he just got the guitar out and he started going with it. And then we sort of joined in and it all came together quite quickly. And then once you start rhyming it off, it just kind of stuck. Anyway, are we ready to do the song? Just give them a minute, they're working out the chord here. No, she just can't help it. I'm just too cute. Oh, she can be nasty. She can be a brute. No, she just can't help it. I'm just too cute. I'll train you to the floor so you can't get away. Then I'll hug you and hug you and hug you all day. Grapple with your shackles. You'll see how nice you adore me forever with your head in a vice. Okay, let's oh. do that again. We'll do it again. We'll go from the intro because that, you know, come tomorrow we want it to just emerge into the world fully formed and majestic and not hesitant and, you know, it came together as one along but it's got to be together from the word go. We wouldn't be the most confident singers. It's interesting because when you're doing it in a different voice or like a funny voice like that, you're not self-conscious about singing at all because it's not you and there's no pressure to be really, really good. Tara's going to start to beat. Just join in when you're comfortable. I said, Tara's gonna start to beat. Just join in when you're comfortable. Tara just started to beat. Is anybody comfortable? Because Tara just started to beat. Me, myself, I'm comfortable because Tara just started to beat. I get chub rub from skinny jeans. <laughs> 
We're continuing to block out the play and adding in sound effects on top of the dialogue and kind of just working out the balance between the emphasis on the sound and the ambience and the emphasis on the dialogue. It's quite technical at this stage since this is the first time we've done radio. We're not used to having to kind of convey what we're physically doing as a character through our voices. So for us, um, usually if we're just doing a typical stage play, it's all about hitting your cues and making sure it's quick and snappy and pacey. But it's kind of the opposite here because if the audience can't tell by your voice what you're physically doing, so you know, you add in kind of grunts and mumbles and then it kind of it completely loses its structure. So a lot of us are kind of having to get used to taking a bit more time and waiting for certain cues to happen and listening to the instruments and making sure that we respond to them to make it the audience know that we're lifting something or pushing something or getting hit or that that sort of thing. Well, I'm just marking out the um, sound props or uh, sound noises to get those cues on time. Most significant sound effect I do is the pouring of the drink, which is very funny when um, Govnut has her first drink and it just goes on and on and on and on. So we've lined up about six, seven, eight um, pint glasses and I have about three, four bottles of wine full of water and so I'm just pouring them so you just hear this continuous pouring. We're using a plastic bag for the ruffling of the wings of the bird and so little simple things. See? You with me? Here we go, the laugh, top of 18. Brunch. My arms don't work, my legs don't work, my sister ran me over on purpose. Oh, boo-hoo me. You make me sick. Brunch is beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, bird. You can tell with some of them, like Dara in particular, you know, I've, I've, I've often seen him just staring. It reminds me of the red eye of Hal in uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. He's just staring, but you know he's absorbing everything and taking it on board and munching on it in his mind and he's just the experience is he's learning so much he's taking in all the the data that's coming his way you know which is what you want whereas some of the others are just like what did you do today in school i don't know stuff they're not really there the learning is the experience so if you're awake and open and your brain's record button is on you're getting a lot more lessons whereas other people that are just doing it go through the same experience and they walk away with no lessons because they weren't really soaking it up they were just doing it everybody shut up Whoa. I mean, I might have a job over there. My cousin's working for this shoe factory. She's going to try and sort me out. I can't believe you're actually leaving. Leaving us in this hell, holy wee bitch. Sorry, girls. It's not going to be the same. No having you around. I know, but I need to get out. I mean, I love my ma, but if I stay here any longer, I'll end up getting a loan of a gun, doing something I'd regret. <laughs> Before starting the two-year acting course at Gaiety, Tara Cush co-starred in a BAFTA-nominated short film called The Party. It's a short. It's set in Belfast, where I'm from, in the 70s. And it's about a gang of kids having a party during the Troubles with their friend who's on the run. And so we filmed that in 2015. We filmed that before I even came to the Gaiety. It was released when I was in the middle of first year. And then... By second year, and I'm in second year, I'm almost graduating. It only kind of just got traction, and um, it was doing really well. It was going all around the local film festivals, and then we just woke up one morning and we were told that it had been nominated. We all went over to London, and it was great. 
And then obviously you come here and everything kind of stops, like everything grinds to a halt because you can't really do work and you can't, you're not really meant to audition, you're not doing that. So it'll be refreshing, I guess, to leave and get to actually jump into that world again and, and start working again. What the fuck are you doing talking to him? What? Is that sexy Margaret? Jesus Christ, Siobhan. Is this too fucking risky? It's a tricky one because you're sort of like, if I had filmed this after I graduated, you feel like the school would have been a lot more behind it and a lot more supportive and, oh, look, one of our students is in this. But because it happened before I went there and because I was still training, they kind of just, it wasn't really, like, mentioned. It wasn't, it's, it's frustrating to kind of do that. And then obviously things are coming up and you're getting different auditions and you can't go and do them because you're in this little bubble of training. So it does get frustrating. I think for all of us, things have come up and we've had to sort of turn things down and say no, or we've had to like sneak out and do auditions. You kind of just have to work it whatever way you can because obviously the school has rules, but I think there's a kind of joint mentality of rules are meant to be broken. So if you get offered something really good or you get asked to audition for something that you really, really like, I think there's just something in you which should be there just to be like, don't say no and just go and do it. And they don't have to know. That's just how we do it here. And we all have each other's backs as well. Should that happen? Can you go faster than that? Yeah. After a week of rehearsals, excitement, and a little bit of stress, we finally reached the evening of the big show. We were on schedule. I wanted to finish the comb through and fix some things, and we did that, so we got to the end of it. And and then we did a complete run, which was nonstop. The train rattled and jostled a bit, but it didn't jump the tracks. It certainly didn't crash, so we got through it and put a clock on it. It came in at 55 minutes, which was the maximum of what is acceptable to me. I'm hoping that we get a, a good audience, a warm, responsive audience. If you're an inexperienced actor, you're more easily put off if they have a warm responsive audience that right away in the beginning is is laughing and is there with them that will boost their their confidence and they'll they'll pull out the stops and they'll give it their all and they'll rise to uh, their audience but if the audience is a bit stunned and confused some of those people in the cast will retreat and be a bit more subdued in their performances which is not what the comedy needs most of them seem to be having fun last time we spoke obviously i was a bit peeved Recently, I just sort of took it and was like, look, this is it. This is the hand I've been dealt. So I'm just going to take the little parts I have and the little voiceovers and little uh, sound effects and stuff like that. And I'm just going to make the most of them instead of being moody. There's a danger that you'd work yourself up into like a bit of a frenzy or you can just sort of take what's given to you and just go with it and do the best that you can. So I think, yeah, I'm... I'm enjoying it, yeah. Okay, the time now, Aideen uh, will tell me. It is five past five. It is five past five. So the audience will come in. We're waiting in the dance studio or some other secret hiding place. Someone comes and tells us the audience is all in. And then I come walking in and you guys all come walking in, fill up the stage in your starter positions. The lights will come on to the stage. I'll give the pre-show announcements. I'll sit down, five, four, three, two, one, and we start the show. Okay, so now we're going to leave the stage. We're going to the green room. Yeah, we're getting shoved in there. We've just done it amongst ourselves. We haven't had anyone in the audience. And even though sometimes, like with the jokes, we can kind of in the background start laughing and, you know, but 
you don't know what it's going to be like when you have like 40, 50 people all laughing and that kind of energy. So that's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen. You're going to have to give it a little bit more space for that laughter. That We haven't kind of rehearsed that before. And um, how do you kind of stop yourself from corpsing as well if, if the laughter is contagious, you know? I'm hoping to kind of bring a bit, a bit of physicality, a bit of quirkiness, a bit of wacky, high-pitched, bird-like qualities. Oh, and terror. The thing that impresses me most about the show is when all the sound effects go together and create that kind of like atmosphere. I think that's really cool to me and it's something I'm really interested in. Roger's been saying all week that the sound effects are characters as well. So even though there's dialogue going on, I think sometimes the audience eye is going to be drawn to everybody tapping the shoes or making water or all those thunderstorm and stuff. I'm excited to get up and do it in front of a proper audience. It's a different kind of energy than any other performance because you're worried about loads of stuff like forgetting your lines and stuff like that but none of us really have that concern because we all have scripts it's more about like the voice and stuff so I don't think anyone's really stressing about it I think it's more fun than it is stressful so I'm feeling good hello everyone welcome hi uh, I'm uh, Roger Gregg and I just had the pleasure and the honor of working with the class of 2017 for the last week on audio acting and radio drama and tonight we're going to do live radio comedy for you. So uh, without further ado. The Gady School of Acting presents the astro-comic adventures of the starship Amadon as it comes face to face with deadly danger in Who's Afraid of Rotbang Krell? Yes, lovely. Yeah, nice bird. Run! Run while you can! Aww. Oh, look at his little beady terrified eyes. Doom! Doom awaits you! This place is like totally creepy, demented in all fairness. Everything is so old. Hello! Hello, are you even listening? You think that monkey bird is trying to tell us something? Run! Run now while you still can! I wish I could speak, monkey bird. Yeah, it'd be great, like. She's crazy! If she starts singing, oh, what she starts singing? Once I start singing, what, bird? I'm in baby chain, Lexi. I will be your friend for life. Let me hug you and hug you and hug you. Yes, easy, easy. Okay, that's enough. Get down now, get down, please. Oh. I am baby chain, Lexi. <laughs> I've never been what? Oh, she can be nasty, she can be a brute. No, she just 
just can have a piss. I'm just too cute. You've been listening to Who's Afraid of Rot Van Krell by Roger Gregg, featuring the amazing voice talents of the Gady School of Acting's Class 2017. Maureen Rabbit, Gilly O'Shea, Aideen Barrett, Lee Douglas, Jack Malarkey, Thomas Kane Byrne, Ben Thompson, Jessica Lee, Niall O'Brien, Aoife O'Sullivan, Owen Collins, Hannah Lee, Caroline Mathiason, Aoife Martin, Gemma Kane, Dara Byrne, Denia Vass, Roisin Rankin, Tara Cush and Alva Cowley. Who's Afraid of Rock Van Krell was written, directed and produced by Roger Gregg.